0: I'm an audiobook narrator that loves reading fairy tales, novels, and bringing stories to life through narration. I am also fascinated by talking to authors and learning about their why and how for creating their stories. We have included all of the links for today's author and our show in the show notes. Be sure to check out our website and sign up for our newsletter for the latest on the podcast. Today is part two of two, where we are talking to Settle Meyer about her novels. After today, you will have heard about writing since middle school on printer paper, knowing when to pull a book down when it's not ready, having your own photo shoot for your cover, learning how to promote your books, blowing up on TikTok for videos unrelated to your books, and just finish your book, then you can go back and finish it. Beyond the Fame Rebecca My life has been a whirlwind of heartbreak, beginning with the death of my brother when I was 18 years old. He was my best friend. I worked through my grief by writing a book about his life, and that book was turned into a movie. That's when I met him. Jensen Bolivar, the movie's director. He's younger than me. Controlling and infuriating. For four years, I've denied my attraction to him because every time he shows an ounce of compassion, he takes it away and shuts down. Now we're in Hawaii for our friend's wedding. The hotel has lost my reservation. And Jensen shows up with a solution. You can stay in my suite. Jensen. I grew up fat in fatphobic Hollywood. All my life I was told to hate myself and my body. Then I met her. Rebecca Taylor. She's beautiful, intense, and makes me feel things I've convinced myself I didn't deserve. So for four years, I let her believe I hated her. I don't. I never did. Every time we cross paths, our attraction to each other grows. Last year, we both caved. She let me have a taste. But we weren't ready. Now we're in Hawaii for our friend's wedding, and the hotel has lost her reservation. Good thing my suite has a spare room. Rebecca and Jensen are first introduced in Beyond the Bright Lights, while you don't have to read that book to read this one, it is highly recommended. Beyond the Fame ends with the Happily Ever After. You'll get more of them in the third and final book of the off script series. This book has adult themes and deals with difficult topics including fat phobia, bullying, terminal illness, cancer, loss of a sibling, loss of partner, loss of a parent, off page, mentioned, grief. Attempted suicide, off-page, suicidal thoughts, addiction and alcoholism, depression, parental abuse, mental, grief, and graphic sex. So now you are, you said you're up over 10,000 followers, so you've Mm. kind of figured out the TikTok thing. Have you started branching into other um, stuff? You're still working in the newsroom, any plans Mm. to eventually go full-time? Are you hoping to... Kind of keep it on the side. I would,
1: I would love to go full time, um, and I actually have not figured out TikTok because here lately the views, my views, have been horrible. Like, uh-huh. so now I have twelve thousand, almost twelve thousand five hundred followers, and some of my videos barely break a hundred views, and I just don't understand what is going on. Like, I feel like someone reported my account as spam. I, I don't. I can't explain why else my views would be suppressed like that. It's so weird. Shoot.
0: I've been reporting the ones that are like, I won't talk until a pretty girl shows up is oh like bullying. Gosh. I'm like, this is bullying, like just plain and yeah. simple. That's that's what that is. So I'm like, we're just going to report you. Yeah. I don't report authors, though, unless it's it needs to be reported. Yeah. Um, I don't like the people that are essentially bullying people with their mass reporting mm. for no reason. That drives me crazy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, I feel like I the videos I make are like with trending sounds they're on trend mm-hmm. and they just never do as well as the videos that are getting a lot of views. But and then like Instagram is worse. <laughs> I, I feel like my reels over there only get like fifty views. But I don't have as many followers over there.
0: Bookstagram is so weird because I'll, like, scroll through the reels on there and it's all like, this is what I'm reading right now. Here's my coffee. Here's what I'm reading. Like, it's all the same exact video. (laughs) Just change out the book and the scene with the coffee. So I'm like, I don't I don't know. I don't get why that does so well, because I'm just like, basically, you liked just posting the picture of your book. And now you're making a video that's does well for whatever reason.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And then I've tried doing like YouTube shorts and mm -hmm. those really don't do anything. I don't know. I I feel like
0: they all started doing shorts because of TikTok, but then they don't know what their algorithms are yet.
1: (laughs) No, No, no idea. But I yeah, I would love to do full time writing but we'll see what happens with this next book because um so Zach Miko is on the cover and he's got a huge following and he mm-hmm. is all about like body positivity um he broke barriers uh modeling as a big guy i think they label him like the world's first plus size male model because he was the first like plus size man to be signed to an agency mhm so And like, like I said, he's been on Good Morning America because of like the the things that he's doing. He has like his own like swimwear line for big guys as well. So he said it like when the cover's done, he'll like help push it out. So I hope he can like put some attention on the book. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens with this next one. But, but of course, it's every author's dream to go full time. Right. If I. If I can't be a full-time author, I don't want to stay in the news. The news stresses me out. So uh, maybe I could like go back to Kansas, which is where all my family live. They live there and um, open up a karaoke bar because I like karaoke. (laughs) That would be be fun. Like (laughs) I could sing uh, your Little Mermaid songs. Yeah, (laughs) I could I could run my karaoke bar and write books. That would be like a dream.
0: So do you have any karaoke bars in your
1: books yet? (laughs) Yeah, well, (laughs) Beyond the Bright Lights has Rockstar Karaoke, which is a live band playing and you go up and sing with the band. Mm -hmm. Um, I do mention karaoke in my Trinity trilogy. So so it's always
0: on the brain while you're writing. (laughs) I
1: always somehow, it's funny, I always somehow mention karaoke in my books and the word zombie. <laughs> because because I love zombies. Okay. My cat's name is Zombie. My other cat's name is Michonne from The Walking Dead. Yes, so, yes. And then I have like this huge zombie <laughs> tattoo. So, <laughs> I'm just a little obsessed with zombies. So, I somehow <laughs> enter the word zombie into my to my books. Like even if it's just like I walked into the room like a zombie. You know, like yeah like so tired I feel like a zombie. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. (laughs) See, I'm trying to figure out
0: like the things that like my life revolves around. I'm trying to pick my like publishing house name. Okay. So I'm like working on my own books and I'm like, you need to like set the stupid thing up as a business from the get-go so like you don't have to fix it later. So in my head, that's what I'm telling myself. Do do this you know, takes a second to set it up at the beginning, but then you're good mm-hmm. going forward. So I'm like, what should my publishing house name be? I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I love penguins. I'm like, that's my favorite animal forever. But I'm like, I can't use penguin in a publishing mm-hmm. thing because of Penguin Random House. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, what do I use? I'm like, I don't know. So I'm like, maybe fairy tales because I already use that for the podcast. No, that's already a thing. Fairy tales publishing is some fairy tale publishing house. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> so last night i'm like laying in bed just trying to like think of like what are other things i like i'm like well i like coffee and i like chocolate and ice cream like maybe it could be like food related who knows i'll eventually figure it out i don't know (laughs) the crazy things that you have to you know come up with or whatever i have like um when i started doing like the podcast i didn't start Like, I didn't set up an LLC or anything when I started narrating, but then when I started, like, the podcast, uh, those suckers can make a lot of money. And I'm like, we want to run that all through. And in case, like, I don't know, some really dead classic novelist's family was like, you said blah, blah, blah. I could be like, listen, I got the information on Wikipedia, so go after them. (laughs) (laughs) Like, leave me alone. (laughs) So you have book two coming out. We're waiting on the cover. Mm -hmm. We are waiting on, you said it's about to go to the editor. So what is, how many books is this series going to be?
1: It'll just be three. They're all standalone romances. So technically you can read them individually, but I do suggest... Reading in order. Yeah, Yeah. because (laughs) I introduced like, so the second book has two it features two characters that I introduce in this book so I just okay
0: so you get their introduction if you read them in order
1: yeah
0: and then I imagine book three is the same you're going to have introduced those characters
1: well so not quite so book three features one character that I briefly mentioned in the first book but he is added more in the second book Mm -hmm. but the the love, his love interest in book three isn't in any of the first two books. So she's like a whole new character.
0: I feel like that's pretty I, standard, though, to use one and then... At least as, one, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like they don't all have to be... Of course, then you have the ones where it's like the couple that is like fighting or not a couple anymore. Like, oh, they dated in high school and then, mm. you know, there was a big falling out and conveniently they get back together. Yeah. <laughs> The, I don't well, remember what that trope's called, The I don't know.
1: Friends to. Getting
0: back together. Enemies to lovers. Ex-lovers. Second, second chance.
1: Second chance. <laughs> second cha- there you go. Second, second chance. chance. There you go. Well, in my second book, Beyond the Fame, it features the two characters in the first book that they kind of like, they'll like each other. They have this hate relationship, but mm. they don't really hate each other. They just never admit that they like each other type situation. I don't know what that trope is called. That like, hate, no, I don't like hate you. To yeah, it's well, not it really enemies like, to lovers, but
0: yeah, I don't know what the what's the tamer version of enemies to lovers <laughs> like? Yeah,
1: hate hate to lover. I don't know. I don't know what that trope is.
0: But it'd be like fake hate. Fake
1: if it's hate, just the like yeah. not
0: wanting to admit. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't know what the name. I have a hard time keeping up with all. I I like. Enemies to Lovers is one of my favorite ones. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there's, like, p- the pregnancy trope. I know there's the, like, multiple parties tropes, and there's yeah. a couple different names for those. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Can't keep need track. It. I need to, like, make a list so that, like, in my own stuff I can label it correctly. I need, like, I, I did, um, I'm in a Discord where someone had listed a list of, like, the major triggers that you should include if it's in your book, and so I like mm-hmm. screenshotted that so that like you know if anything happens to be in there because I'm always like what's considered because I don't have any so I'm like what's considered a trigger beyond like the big ones like essay right. and like the yeah. obvious ones um, or anything any bad things having to do with children I know are big triggers obviously yeah. I can't put myself into that headspace though that
1: yeah like I no. I have the I have a content warning on my book but um kind of the same like i don't really have uh, a lot of triggers so i just listed and it's not like it's not not like dark romance it's just like tough it's like tough everyday issues that we face like grief mm-hmm. and and my book deals with like addiction and uh some depression and suicidal thoughts and so it's just like it's like brief it's like not yeah. the whole book but right. I, even if it's brief like I don't know how I don't know how someone is like triggered by that stuff even if like it's briefly mentioned that could like be something huge for someone so
0: yeah which I is try why to like I want a list of like what are all the things that could be triggering yeah. so that like I can not necessarily in the book but you know if you need a list of triggers you can see the website or because I know exactly. it, that's a big thing on Amazon like not to include it or they'll yeah, do well, weird I,
1: things I heard that like Amazon doesn't like when you say trigger warning or content warning. So on my blurb, I think I just I say this book deals with difficult issues or topics such as
0: and then I yeah. list them.
1: And I haven't had any issues so far. But then like in my book I also put like links like help is available. Um and then I put like I'm really huge into St. Jude. I lived in Memphis. St. Jude was there. Mm-hmm. So I put like donate to St. Jude, you know. In, okay. in my in my book
0: so you have book two should be out in march when do you plan on book three being out
1: oh gosh looks well, like you've so been doing I, about
0: every eight months i know it's so. like
1: <laughs> yeah uh well i have like 12 no fifteen thousand words written on book three okay so and as soon as i send the second book to the editor I'm, i'll probably take a little bit of a break from writing and then i'll start back onto book three what is it what, what month is it february i don't know probably august again i'm i'm gonna aim for
0: okay so are you a planner or are you a discovery
1: pantser <laughs> person i like to say i'm a planter okay i i i i know what's gonna happen in the book i kind of outline it but then, like, I start writing, and I and I don't know where each scene is going to go until I'm, like, writing it.
0: Uh-huh. And then
1: sometimes, like, the characters just go in a different direction, and I have to redo everything. <laughs> uh, like, at the end of book one and beyond the bright lights, I had no idea what was going to happen in book two. And I actually started writing book two. I think I wrote a couple chapters, and then I was like, you know, let me just try to plan it out and I had like a very loose outline so it's Mm -hmm. like it's not really planning or plotting you know Mm
0: -hmm.
1: it's kind of I I think I'm like in between
0: yeah that's I I saw recently a video that was like if you plan at all you're a planner and I'm like I don't Mm -hmm. I don't agree with that like just because I know what the Mm -hmm. main like contention is going to be in my book. Does that make it a plan? Not really Like plan to eventually kill off the big bad. Like that 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 is the plan. I feel like that's the plan in every book. So like. Yeah.
1: And and when I was writing Beyond the Bright Lights, I didn't know what it was going to be part of a standalone series. And then I was writing these two characters that is in book two. And I was like, hmm. To do a romance between them. And then I'm and then I gave them like a little hate relationship. So that's how book two came along because just because they hate each other, I feel like they have to have a relationship now.
0: So I imagine the reviews have been better on this series than your first one, than the than 2015 book.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: So do you read the reviews or do you avoid the reviews now?
1: Um I mean, I look, I look and see if I get, if I get any new reviews. Like, I don't know, I don't, I don't want to invade a reader's space, but mm-hmm. I look to see if it's getting any more ratings because ratings and reviews are really important for any right. authors because that's what readers base them on. But so I, that, I, I mean,
0: all you have to do is click on the book, and then that's at the very top. You have this many reviews, yeah, yeah. this many stars, without having to go and yeah. look at them.
1: Yeah, like I know that. Like, I know how many reviews are on Amazon. I think it's like 94. And then it's like 118, like, ratings or reviews on Goodreads. Mm-hmm. But um, I I I feel like I have, like, a good relationship with readers on TikTok. And I, I worry that they don't want to leave a bad review because of that. And I'm like, no, that it's not for me. Like, do your thing. If you didn't like my book.
0: Tell no, people no. why. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, because I don't want someone to... To read my book and waste their time. Like if if you read it and you and you didn't like it, then stay wise. So if in case someone had the same reason, I wouldn't want them to waste their time. Right. You know. Yeah. That's- and that's fine, because like not not everyone's gonna like my book. Cause like some people don't like the fact that my main character's 40 and my male main character is 25. Like some people don't like the age gaps. And we don't see it uh-huh. a lot with um, when it's reversed like that. Or so, the woman's the older one. Yeah. 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 And then I feel like that would be the the main issue is that she's older. But some people might not like the uh the small town drobe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: yeah. Who knows obviously. what like it's so hard. There's no no matter what you're doing, creativity wise, there mm-hmm. you will never please everybody. Exactly. So like write the story you want now beyond like things that you should have had like sensitivity readers for or things like that mm-hmm. normal everyday things you're never going to please everyone the reality is sometimes 15 year age gaps do happen in real life and mm-hmm. it's not always the man that's older so. yeah
1: yeah like she's 40 he's 25 so it's like i feel i didn't want to go younger than that because i even i think that's like you know like She, my character was like 25, like you're young, you have so much life to live. It's So she was like fighting it the whole time. It's it's not like she was like preying on this guy. Yeah. So I don't know, like, I get it if that's not your thing, like age gaps.
0: And then I occasionally on TikTok will stumble across all the sugar babies. So like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, like, what is the I mean, granted, you're not doing that because you love the person in most cases. But like, what's the difference? Like, yeah. you're you're going and you're spending time with someone significantly older than you for money in that case. So,
1: mm-hmm. like,
0: <laughs> and then probably coming home and complaining about it because a lot of them will get on TikTok and talk about how weird
1: it was or whatever. I don't think I've seen a lot of sugar baby videos on the, tick, on I the TikTok. I
0: have. I will occasionally get on sides of TikTok, and I'm like, "How did I get here? I don't, I don't know how I got here." <laughs> now, sometimes yeah, what- it's due to they changed up the algorithm again, and they've mm-hmm. like thrown me back into the like these videos did good. Maybe you'll like them, and I'm like, I skipped them the first time for a reason. Yeah. Thank
1: you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, yeah. Sometimes I do get on some. I get some weird videos. So I'm like, what?
0: Well, then what's bad is like when you're like, where is this? Like, you have no idea what the video is about as they're like talking and you're like, where is this going? And then you watch the whole thing. So then you get like all these videos. because they're like, you watch the whole video that time. And you're like, I didn't know what was happening. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. I, was, I was just watched a video like that yesterday, and, like, my husband was listening into it, too, and he's, like, both of us are just sitting there, like, listening to the story, and she finally gets to the end, and we're both, like, oh, my, how did we not see that coming? <laughs> like, I don't even remember what it was now, but it's just, like, you know, sometimes, like, if they're a really good storyteller on there, like, you'll just keep going to see, like, what's going to happen.
1: <laughs> like, I exactly. Yeah. I can't
0: tell you how many, like, accidental, like, I had to poop myself in my car stories I've heard on TikTok (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) I'm just like how did I get here thankfully there Mm. there must not be a lot of those because I don't or they don't know how to niche those because I don't get those a lot but I have seen more than two of them
1: (laughs) so oh my gosh I feel like my uh, for you page knows me pretty well by now like I'll get the the occasional thirst trap videos. I'm like, yeah, I like that. I like the thirst trap videos. No shame. <laughs> and then I, I get so many book videos, which is great. I don't and cat get the, videos.
0: I don't get the thirst traps themselves. I get the book talkers reactions to yeah, the I thirst traps. Yeah, I do get traps. those too, yeah. So, like, I never see the original ones. I always get, like, the book talker react, which shows, yeah. like, it knows where, you know, who I want to see. Um, but I just, I don't get the thirst traps Except the vampire guy that always does the lives, I come across his videos all the time. <laughs> Just the live ones, not if he does anything else, I never see those. But the lives all the time.
1: <laughs> That's funny. I get the uh, the guy, the chef that gets very inappropriate with his food. His name's Cedric Lorenzo, I think. Never seen him. <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's so inappropriate. He he prepares foods. He does videos where he's preparing foods, and he's like touching the food very sexually and then sometimes i like <laughs> spit I'm like oh <laughs> and when I, I mean I'm, I'm at work watching these I'm like I should not be watching this video <laughs> about food at work mm. <laughs> just
0: hope no camera is running or
1: something I know the camera behind me watch me work watch their tiktoks <laughs> oh man
0: so what kind of videos do you find are the most like do the best for you so you've talked about like the newsroom one that has nothing to do with books but book wise Mm -hmm. what kind of videos seem to perform the best for you
1: um so for a while i was i was doing the the video that where you zoom in on me and it's playing that taylor swift song uh forgot the name of it but there's been a um, few so i (laughs) i Yeah. Is it? She's a little popular. <laughs> some, something about dreams, wildest dreams, I think. Okay. So, anytime I would do that video, and then on the screen, I'd put a bunch of text like, I'm a plus size author. Do you like to read plus size books? Then you should check out Beyond the Bright Lights. Mm-hmm. And so, those videos were doing pretty decent. Like, and I say decent, I mean like 600 views, maybe a thousand here and there. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then sometimes I feel like a lot of videos with my face in it tend to do better. Mm-hmm. The, the page flip videos, not good for me. I, they never do well for some reason. And I know video some I'm,
0: authors, their faces don't do well. So, like, I it's, know. it's, it's like, weird.
1: I, I, I honestly cannot understand the algorithm because it just seems so random to me, like, random which videos they push out. Anytime I talk about my custom, the custom covers for my books like doing the photo shoots those tend to do better mhm um
0: that's probably because a lot of authors don't do custom photo shoots so yeah. like the interest of like how did you do that why did you yeah. do that why would you spend all that money <laughs> How much did it cost? Oh, that's not bad. You know, like you're gonna get reactions on both sides. So,
1: well, yeah, and I I had a few comments that were like, "Oh, I wish I was that successful to be able to do this." I'm like, "I'm not successful. My books don't make enough money to pay for these custom cover shoots. I pay for them with my full time job. Like Mm -hmm. my full time job funds this little indie author journey I'm doing. So that's the only reason I was able to do the custom photo shoots, and I'm grateful for that." I understand that is a privilege, um, but if I can do it, if I can do the custom photo shoots, so we can show different body types on book covers, then I'm going to do it if I can. Mm-hmm. Because, like the cus the custom the cartoon covers are super popular, and I love them; they're gorgeous. But I just for these books, I wanted to have like I just wanted to have, uh, feature real real people on them. Well, so those that's are why more... I didn't do the custom the cartoon.
0: Those are more like rom-com is usually when yeah. you'll see the cartoons.
1: Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking too. Like they're rom-com-y. And my book, like, I have some laughter in it, but they're not. It's, I mean, it's my book's about grief and and overcoming addiction, and it's just didn't the cartoon yeah. cover just didn't seem right. No. So. Yeah, that would
0: have been deceptive. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see what happens with my, with the second book. I feel like this is going to determine if I can still keep doing these custom covers. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm going to have to do it with the third book. I can't change it up for yeah. the third book. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but so, going
1: forward. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, I don't
0: know. I mean, it may yeah. be like, you know, if you did get to the point where your books were making enough to, you know, cover the cost of that. But yeah, like, um. I remember getting to the point where, like, my audiobooks were able to, like, fund my other stuff, but now, like, I Mm -hmm. haven't had a pay-up-front audiobook in a while. So now I'm like, Uh. I just had to make a credit card payment today, and I'm like, oof. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) But my royalty share stuff does grow every month, so I'm Uh like, hey, we're doing good. We just need it to be a little bit bigger, (laughs) so...
1: (laughs) So you do royalty share. I didn't do that with my um, audiobook narrators. I they do both. Choose- um,
0: I do both. But like I have a day job that supports me just fine. And I'm part owner in that. So like for that, it's like for me, I'm not going to leave that. So like for me, I don't need to make this a full time thing. Would it be nice? Obviously. Um, yeah. Same with like podcast. Now podcast expenses are low. I'm just paying for the website, which I designed myself. And then I pay, like, 20 bucks a month for the place that I upload the podcast to that sends it mm-hmm. everywhere. So, like, as far as that goes, costs for the podcast are low. Equipment for the narrating, not low. But that's, yeah. like, a one-time cost. You don't have to, like, buy equipment every month. So it's one of those, like, I did – I made enough in audiobooks at the beginning with people that did pay me up front because, like, I won't do royalty share on a nonfiction so any nonfiction I do, that's paying me up front. Mm. Um, and then I'll do like other ones. But I do a lot of indie authors where I'm more selective now. Like they need to be actively promoting their book on social media and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, at the beginning, I wasn't as selective. I just really wanted to be able to do fiction. <laughs> so <laughs> it's yeah. like I just need to get my foot in the door. And whoever's willing to let me do that, we can go from there and then once I had, you know, a few under my belt and people saw, like, hey, she does a decent job at that and I improved in what I was doing. um, Yeah, so now I do. Um, there's quite a few. I'm about to start on, I don't know if you've seen Stormy Lewis on TikTok. Mm-hmm. She does the Sophie Lee saga. I'm about to start on her books. She's big on the promoting on the TikTok. I just did um, the first two in Amberly Henning's books, who's also on TikTok. Um, done a few others that are not coming to mind right now but i'm like for me i'm like it has to be a book that i want to read so yeah. that like if it takes me because you get paid for like on acx it's seven years at least of getting the royalties on it nice so it's like it has to be a book i want to do or else like i'm gonna be like the whole time. oh yeah. <laughs> so i i pick and choose so i don't audition for every single book that pops up on acx anymore um but yeah, so that's I do a lot of indie authors that like Amber Lee. She was talking about her book and I commented on it and I'm like, I would love, because I would always come across her promoting same with Stormy. I would always come across them like talking about their vid stuff on TikTok. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, I'd love to do your audiobook. And they're like, Amber Lee was like, but I'm poor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, I was like, are you willing to keep talking about it every day on TikTok? Like, <laughs> that's that will help too. Um, yeah. And then Stormy, did you ever come across any of the them um, Audio Takeover days? I
1: don't think so.
0: So, in did you know anything about the weird audiobook publisher that the one thirst trap dude tried to start yes. up? Okay, yeah. so when, right after that thing, not because of that thing, but right after that thing. A bunch of fe- femme narrators were like, hey, we want to do like a femme audio day because it's always like the male ones that get recognized and usually will be mm-hmm. the clip on dual romance. You know, up on Audible, they'll be the clip like it won't recognize the female at all. And so they were like, we're going to do basically a day where we all like posted videos on TikTok saying like, hey, we want authors to send us like two to five minutes or two to three, I guess, because three minutes is the limit you know, snippets of their books so we could highlight like badass film characters on TikTok. And so like yeah. the first day that I did it, I did actually I've only done it one day. Um, but they were doing it like every two months. And I did like 30 clips from like 30 wow. different books in one day. Um and Stormy's was one of those. So she heard heard the clip and was like, oh my gosh. So now we're working on the audio books for awesome. it. But it's just it's one of those things like I don't intend to make it a full-time thing. If it paid me that well, I would love that. Yeah. But, you know, there are a lot of authors that can't afford to pay it up front. And I'm totally willing to do royalty share if I fit the characters. for. Like, I'm, you know, there's a whole thing about, and I'm sure when you were auditioning, you heard, like, some people didn't fit the characters. Like, right. their voice just didn't fit. So yeah. I know. And when I reach out to people on social media, I'm always like, you know, if I don't fit the voice in your head... That's totally okay. Like, that's part of the job. Yeah. Like <laughs> But yeah. you know, as part of the podcast, I've talked to quite a few authors about if you need help through that process, let me know. You don't have to use me, but like I've been doing it for a year and a half at this point. So like I've learned a few things.
1: <laughs> so Yeah. It was definitely a process doing the audiobook. And mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm gonna do for the second book, because like Even though I like these, these narrators for the first book, they, they don't do a lot of promoting themselves, which I didn't expect them to, but it would be nice to find like a narrator, narrators who can help me promote. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that would be what I would look for when I do Beyond the Fame. Mm -hmm. Like, and not, I, I don't think I would necessarily look for like a couple Mm-hmm. to do the the duet narration. I don't know. Should I keep it consistent and do another duet with Beyond the Fame if I did it for Beyond the Bright Lights? If it switches
0: know. POVs, yes.
1: Yeah, well, that no, yeah. I would do like the, the, the duel, like female read the female, male read the male chapters. But like for the duet, for like where they're interacting within the chapter, that's what I did for Beyond the Bright Lights. So should I do that for Beyond the Fame as well?
0: I think I would keep it consistent throughout the series. Mm. Yeah. All right.
1: So. Now, there are
0: quite a few, um, like, if you just search on TikTok narrators, there's a lot of narrators that, like, will work together. I know, like, Nicole James works with, like, quite a few other males. So, like, ones that um, also Paige Reisenfeld, (laughs) which is a really long last name, um, has worked with. She works with her partner a lot for Duel, but she's also worked with, like, other guys, um so it okay. kind of depends on most I I'm like I'm not opposed to it I've just never done it before so like when people right. ask me about it I'm like I know like what it is in theory but like I've never done it so right I'm
1: like yeah because like you would have to record your parts and then like pause in that chapter so the male could do his line I think they use whatever. a
0: clicker or they'll oh, like stop I, and then like splice it together, so you're not did, like leaving random gaps of. Or yeah. I saw um, the couple that does the Zodiac Academy books, mm. they she will actually like whisper his lines so that like oh. she it feels like she's interacting with something. Yeah, um, I saw there's one. Uh, what is her name? It's like Sarah Sampino. Her and her boyfriend i think boyfriend or husband i don't know they were live narrating and they're in like booths that like back up to each other so when you're watching her live you could hear him doing his part and then she would
1: do her part that's cool
0: (laughs) or there's um marcus rain and his wife they have a booth big enough to fit both of them so they'll do it together in the booth at the same microphone recording
1: marcus i feel like he just narrated my friend jordan grant's book Marcus Rain. That name sounds familiar. I'm pretty sure he just. I know he does a lot
0: friendship. of his videos on TikTok. He does a lot of like growl prep, like yeah. werewolf <laughs> books. <laughs> oh uh,
1: the growls.
0: Yeah, <laughs> him. And then I know what's um, oh, Corvin King does a lot of. He does a lot of pairing up with other female narrators.
1: Oh, that's cool. I've seen him come across. I. I haven't seen his videos, but I see him in lives. Yeah. Yeah.
0: He used to, I feel like he used to do either. I haven't seen his videos lately because I literally just said that to my husband. I came across a live he was in last night and was like, I haven't seen any videos of his lately, Mm -hmm. but I always see him in lives. Oops. Yeah. I just hit my microphone. (laughs) (laughs) Talk with my hands too much. (laughs) No, same. (laughs) Yeah. So there's a bunch on there that, that do work with, it's just like, My husband is also writing a book. And so I tell him, I'm like, just go through and find the narrators that you like. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) he hasn't posted any videos yet. But I'm like, go make friends on TikTok because you need people that are going to, like, buy your books when you finally release yep. it. Yeah. So I'm like, go make friends. So he, he'd he be like, hey, I made a new friend today. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But now he is, like, starting to, like, branch into, like, narrators. And I'm like, find narrator voices that you like. Mm-hmm. And his book has, like, a ton of accents in it. Um oh, So no. while he was like, oh... <laughs> I narrated for almost a year before he listened to any books that I did. And I think he probably just thought, like, it was just something that I do in my closet. (laughs) So, like, I have this one trilogy that I did last summer. And the author was type A. And he was like, I don't know if I can listen to, like, his publisher picked me. He didn't. So he's like, I don't know if I can listen to it. So I asked my husband because it was, like, a bunch of... There was, like, over 300 made-up words that I had to pronounce correctly. My husband listens to a lot of sci-fi stuff. So I'm like, that's going to have a lot of made-up words in it. So I'm like, can you Mm -hmm. please just listen to this and make sure that it sounds, like, natural and I don't do anything, like, majorly wrong? Because at that point, I'd done mostly just romance and some fantasy, Mm. but not with that level of made-up words. Yeah. So he listens through it, and he's about halfway through, and he's like, okay, you can narrate my book now. (laughs) And then I'm like, except you threw in Russian and Australian
1: and Irish, and I don't know how to do any of those. No, yeah, that's what when I put up the audition for Beyond the Bright Lights, I have a southern character and then a male character who's German Mm -hmm. and the male narrator did a great job with the German he was like my favorite character when he did the voices for the German character but yeah um, so
0: if I saw yours I would have avoided it because of that
1: the (laughs) the southern and the the German
0: I can uh southern I'm from Texas like I live in Texas I've always lived in Texas and my southern Mm -hmm. is like not great So, yeah. Typically, I just avoid if it's not general yeah. American. I'm like, we will let someone who knows how to do that handle that. Yeah. So,
1: yeah. yeah. I mean, my character is from Arkansas. I lived in Arkansas forever, and I had like a twang, a little bit of a twang, but not mm-hmm. like that much. So, I I can't even remember how I used to talk. But <laughs> so I can't even imagine trying to do a whole book like that.
0: Yeah, just I'm reading through um, a book right now to prep and they have these robot cars and each robot car has a different accent. Oh and I'm gosh. like, I'm like, I'm just going to tell the publisher hired me, not the author. But I'm like, not to like kill your joy, but there will be no accents in your book. Oh. <laughs> he's like, he's like, OK, if if the author hires me, I'm like, you have three options. We can do them very badly. We cannot Mm. do them at all, or we can cancel the contract and you can find someone who can do them. Like, that's basically the only three options we've got here.
1: Oh, my God. Whichever
0: you want to do, I'm cool with. But, like, just know if we do terrible accents, we will get terrible Mm -hmm. accent complaints. If we don't do accents, we will get docked a star because someone was mad I didn't do the accents, which has happened. So, yeah, I'm like, fair. You probably would have docked three stars if I'd done the accents. So. (laughs) I'm like what happens when that particular book, I the characters were like traveling around the world. So it was like all these different and I'm like, no, no. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine. There
0: are there are a lot of narrators that are very good at picking up accents. I am just not one of them.
1: (laughs) No, I love doing a British accent. I don't think I'm good at though. So The book I'm doing right now is supposed to have
0: a British character. And I told her up front, now this one, her narrator ghosted her for two years. So she was like, I just want, uh. want the books done at this time. So I gave her options. I'm like, we can either do he's super douchey and kind of like I'm better than you. So I'm like, I gave her two options. I'm like, we can just do a douchey voice. And then I gave her an example. Or we can do like a little more like fancier sounding voice. And she's like, we're doing that one. But She just got back to me. She listened through book one and she's like, so no British accent, huh? And I'm like, dude, I gave you the two options. <laughs> like
1: <laughs> I even oh, like yeah. listened
0: through an entire British audiobook and it just did not work. <laughs> like, <laughs> <I don't know>. <laughs> oh no. Oh.
1: <laughs>
0: so what is the biggest piece of advice that you would give to someone either just starting out or trying to get back on track on their journey?
1: I would say if you want to write a book just write it and i actually just did a video about this so the first draft for beyond the fame mm-hmm. was like 60,000 words and i did some you know edits after that read throughs adding more details and then it was sent to like beta readers and they suggested changes and mm-hmm. by the time the when i send it to the editor it's going to it's going to be like 71,000 words so over that time i added 10,000 words so write just write it get your get the book to the screen or whatever it's not going to be good that first draft's not going to be good and that's okay um just just get it out and then then you can go back and perfect it because like and and just don't focus too much on it like I feel like people overthink if when they're writing they're overthinking it so just mm-hmm. try to get it out try to get that first draft and then you can go back and make your changes so i do
0: know there are some brain types that do have to have it like it has to be perfect or they can't (laughs) move on but then also like i noticed with my own stuff as i go i get better at adding in all the like it may have started at the beginning with like oh there's only dialogue for this entire stretch and then Mm -hmm. as i moved on it got like you know the internal dialogue got a little Mm -hmm. bit better as i moved forward <laughs> yeah but at the end of the uh, day if you think your first draft is the final draft <laughs> that may not yeah. be may not be the best way to go about it
1: <laughs> and and even when i'm writing like sometimes i have to go back and reread everything mm-hmm. just because like i'll be like wait what did i just write <laughs> but tr- or wait didn't you already mention th- this before <laughs> And but then if you're doing that, try not to edit as you are rereading it, because then you'll like you'll get off track. So it's I don't know. Everyone's going to have their own process. But Mm -hmm. I just think it is it is important that you get everything down. And even if like you're writing and but you have this certain scene that may not be until the end Mm -hmm. and you're like, I really need to get this scene down, then write that scene. I I did that with uh, Beyond the Fame. There were like patches of scenes where it came up in my head and I just, I wrote it out. And then I kind of like left it there Mm -hmm. until I got to that part of the book. You know, my husband right now,
0: my husband was writing an order. And then he has a chapter question mark, question mark, because that (laughs) happened to him. So he's like, this is going to be somewhere. I just don't know where, but I couldn't get it out of my head. So I just had to. And then he had an idea for a second book that he couldn't get out of his head. So he started, you know, needing a break from the one because he was stumped, moved to the other for a little. Now he just goes back and forth, Mm -hmm. Um, which I just started when I realized my book is a giant mountain of fantasy that I made for myself. So oh yeah, (laughs) I'm like, well, we're going to start on something that hopefully is shorter and fun and will be way more outlined. And (laughs) I don't know something will get published at some point hopefully (laughs) yeah all right well thank you so much for your time today and i hope you have a good rest of your saturday thank
1: you you too thank you for talking to me (laughs) i will see you around tiktok okay bye
0: bye settle has always liked the little mermaid the little mermaid is a literary fairy tale written by the danish author hans christian Andersen, first published in 1837 as part of a collection of fairy tales for children the story follows the journey of a young mermaid who's willing to give up her life in the sea as a mermaid to gain a human soul. The original story has been a subject of multiple analyses by scholars such as Jacob Bogild and Pernell Hegard, as well as the folklorist Maria Tadar. These analyses cover various aspects of the story, from interpreting the themes to discussing why Anderson chose to write a tragic story with a happy ending. It has been adapted to various media including musical theater, anime, ballet, opera, and film. There's also a statue portraying the mermaid in Copenhagen, Denmark, where the story was written and first published. Since we've already done all the versions of The Little Mermaid I could find, today we'll be reading another Hans Christian Andersen story, The Snow Queen. You may know this as the story that inspired the movie Frozen. Due to its length, we'll be splitting this story across Settle's episodes. Don't forget, we're reading Les Morts d'Arthur, the story of King Arthur and of his noble knights of the round table on our Patreon. You can find the link in the show notes. The Snow Queen Part 2 Fourth Story The Prince and Princess Gerda was obliged to rest again, and just opposite the place where she sat, she saw a great crow come hopping across the snow toward her. He stood looking at her for some time, and then he wagged his head and said, "'Caw, ca, good day, good day!' He pronounced the words as plainly as he could, because he meant to be kind to the little girl, and then he asked her where she was going all alone in the wide world. The word alone Gerda understood very well, and knew how much it expressed, so then she told the crow the whole story of her life and adventures and asked him if he had seen little Kay.' The crow nodded his head very gravely and said, "'Perhaps I have. It may be.' "'No, do you think you have?' cried little Gerda. And she kissed the crow and hugged him almost to death with joy. "'Gently, gently,' said the crow. "'I believe I know. I think it may be little Kay, but he has certainly forgotten you by this time for the princess.' "'Does he live with a princess?' asked Gerda. Yes, listen, replied the crow, but it is so difficult to speak your language. If you understand the crow's language, then I can explain it better. Do you? No, I have never learned it, said Gerda, but my grandmother understands it and used to speak it to me. I wish I had learned it. It does not matter, answered the crow. I will explain as well as I can, although it will be very badly done. And he told her what he had heard. In this kingdom where we are now, said he, there lives a princess who is so wonderfully clever that she has read all the newspapers in the world and forgotten them too, although she's so clever. A short time ago as she was sitting on her throne, which people say is not such an agreeable seat as is often supposed, she began to sing a song which commences in these words. Why should I not be married? Why not indeed, said she, and so she determined to marry if she could find a husband who knew what to say when he was spoken to, and not one who could only look grand, for that was so tiresome. Then she assembled all her court ladies together at the beat of the drum, and when they heard of her intentions, they were very much pleased. "'We're so glad to hear it,' said they. "'We were talking about it ourselves the other day.' You may believe that every word I tell you is true, said the crow, for I have a tame sweetheart who goes freely about the palace, and she told me all this. Of course, his sweetheart was a crow, for birds of a feather flock together, and one crow always chooses another crow. Newspapers are published immediately with a border of hearts, and the initials of the princess among them. They gave notice that every young man who was handsome was free to visit the castle and speak with the princess, and those who could reply loud enough to be heard when spoken to were to make themselves quite at home at the palace. But the one who spoke best would be chosen as a husband for the princess. "'Yes, yes, you may believe me. It is all as true as I sit here,' said the crow. The people came in crowds. There was a great deal of crushing and running about, but no one succeeded either on the first or second day.' They could all speak very well while they were outside in the streets, but when they entered the palace gates and saw the guards in silver uniforms and the footmen in their golden livery on the staircase and the great halls lighted up, they became quite confused, and when they stood before the throne on which the princess sat, they could do nothing but repeat the last words she had said, and she had no particular wish to hear her own words over again. It was just as if they had all taken something to make them sleepy while they were in the palace, for they did not recover themselves nor speak till they got back again into the street. There was quite a long line of them reaching from the town gate to the palace. "'I went myself to see them,' said the crow. They were hungry and thirsty, for at the palace they did not get even a glass of water.' Some of the wisest had taken a few slices of bread and butter with them, but they did not share it with their neighbors. They thought if they went into the princess looking hungry, there would be a better chance for themselves. But Kay, tell me about little Kay, said Gerda. Was he amongst the crowd? Stop a bit. We're just coming to him. It was on the third day. There came marching cheerfully along to the palace a little personage, without horses or carriage his eyes sparkling like yours. He had beautiful long hair, but his clothes are very poor. That was Kay, said Gerda joyfully. Oh, then I have found him, and she clapped her hands. He had a little knapsack on his back, added the crow. No, it must have been his sledge, said Gerda, for he went away with it. It may have been so, said the crow. I did not look at it very closely. But I know from my tame sweetheart that he passed through the palace gates, saw the guards in their silver uniform and the servants in their liveries of gold on the stairs. But he was not in the least embarrassed. It must be very tiresome to stand on the stairs, he said. I prefer to go in. The rooms were blazing with light. Counselors and ambassadors walked about with bare feet, carrying golden vessels. It was enough to make anyone feel serious. His boots creaked loudly as he walked, and yet he was not at all uneasy. It must be Kay, said Gerda. I know he had new boots on. I've heard them creak in grandmother's room. They really did creak, said the crow. Yet he went boldly up to the princess herself, who was sitting on a pearl as large as a spinning wheel. And all the ladies of the court were present with their maids, and all the cavaliers with their servants. And each of the maids had another maid to wait upon her. And the cavalier servants had their own servants as well as a page each. They all stood in circles round the princess and the nearer they stood to the door, the prouder they looked. The servants' pages, who always wore slippers, could hardly be looked at. They held themselves up so proudly by the door. It must be quite awful, said little Gerda, but did Kay win the princess? If I had not been a crow, said he, I would have married her myself, although I'm engaged. He spoke just as well as I do when I speak the crow's language, so I heard from my tame sweetheart." He was quite free and agreeable and said he had not come to woo the princess, but to hear her wisdom, and he was as pleased with her as she was with him. Oh, certainly that was Kay, said Gerda. He was so clever he could work mental arithmetic and fractions. Oh, will you take me to the palace? It is very easy to ask that, replied the crow, but how are we to manage it? however, I'll speak about it to my tame sweetheart and ask her advice, for I must tell you it will be very difficult to gain permission for a little girl like you to enter the palace. Oh, yes, but I shall gain permission easily, said Gerda, for when Kay hears that I'm here, he will come out and fetch me in immediately. Wait for me here by the palings, said the crow, wagging his head as he flew away. It was late in the evening before the crow returned. Ka caw, caw,' he said. "'She sends you greeting, and here's a little roll which she took from the kitchen for you. "'There's plenty of bread there, and she thinks you must be hungry. "'It is not possible for you to enter the palace by the front entrance. "'The guards in silver uniform and the servants in gold livery would not allow it. "'But do not cry. "'We will manage to get you in. "'My sweetheart knows a little back staircase that leads to the sleeping apartments, "'and she knows where to find the key.' And they went into the garden through the great avenue, where the leaves were falling one after another, and they could see the light in the palace being put out in the same manner, and the crow led little Gerda to the back door, which stood ajar. Oh, how little Gerda's heart beat with anxiety and longing. It was just as if she were going to do something wrong, and yet she only wanted to know where little Kay was. It must be he, she thought, with those clear eyes and that long hair. She could fancy she saw him smiling at her as he used to at home, when they sat among the roses. He would certainly be glad to see her, and to hear what a long distance she had come for his sake, and to know how sorry they had been at home because he did not come back. Oh, what joy and yet fear she felt. They were now on the stairs, and in a small closet at the top, a lamp was burning. In the middle of the floor stood the tame crow turning her head from side to side and gazing at Gerda, who curtsied as her grandmother had taught her to do. My betrothed has spoken so very highly of you, my little lady, said the tame crow. Your life history, Vita as it may be called, is very touching. If you will take the lamp, I will walk before you. We will go straight along this way and then we shall meet no one. It seems to me as if somebody were behind us, said Gerda. Something rushed by her like a shadow on the wall. And then horses with flying manes and thin legs, hunters. Ladies and gentlemen on horseback glided by her like shadows on the wall. They are only dreams, said the crow. They are coming to fetch the thoughts of the great people out hunting. All the better. For we shall be able to look at them in their beds more safely. I hope that when you rise to honor and favor, you will show a grateful heart." You may be quite sure of that, said the crow from the forest. They now came into the first hall, the walls of which were hung with rose-colored satin, embroidered with artificial flowers. Here, the dreams again flitted by them, but so quickly that Gerda could not distinguish the royal persons. Each hall appeared more splendid than the last. It was enough to bewilder anyone. At length, they reached a bedroom. The ceiling was like a great palm tree, with glass leaves of the most costly crystal, and over the center of the floor, two beds, each resembling a lily, hung from a stem of gold. One in which the princess lay was white. The other was red, and in this, Gerda had to seek for little Kay. She pushed one of the red leaves aside and saw a little brown neck. Oh, that must be Kay. She called his name out quite loud and held the lamp over him, A dreams rushed back into the room on horseback. He woke and turned his head round. It was not little Kay. The prince was only like him in the neck. Still, he was young and pretty. Then the princess peeped out of her white lily bed and asked what was the matter. Then little Gerda wept and told her story and all that the crows had done to help her. You poor child, said the prince and princess. Then they praised the crows and said they were not angry for what they had done but that it must not happen again, and this time they should be rewarded. Would you like to have your freedom? asked the princess, or would you prefer to be raised to the position of court crows with all that is left in the kitchen for yourselves? Then both the crows bowed, and begged to have a fixed appointment, for they thought of their old age and said it would be so comfortable to feel that they had provision for their old days, as they called it. And then the prince got out of his bed and gave it up to Gerda, He could do no more, and she lay down. She folded her little hands and thought, "'How good everyone is to me, men and animals too.' Then she closed her eyes and fell into a sweet sleep. All the dreams came flying back again to her, and they looked like angels. And one of them drew a little sledge, on which sat Kay, and nodded to her. But all this was only a dream and vanished as soon as she awoke.' The following day, she was dressed from head to foot in silk and velvet, and they invited her to stay at the palace for a few days and enjoy herself. But she only begged for a pair of boots and a little carriage and a horse to draw it, so that she might go into the wide world to seek for Kay. And she obtained not only boots, but also a muff, and she was neatly dressed. And when she was ready to go, there at the door she found a coach made of pure gold— with the coat of arms of the prince and princess shining upon it like a star, and the coachmen, footmen, and outriders all wearing golden crowns on their heads. The prince and princess themselves helped her into the coach and wished her success. The forest crow, who was now married, accompanied her for the first three miles. He sat by Gerda's side as he could not bear riding backwards. The tame crow stood in the doorway flapping her wings. She could not go with them because she had been suffering from headache ever since the new appointment, no doubt from eating too much. The coach was well stored with sweet cakes, and under the seat were fruit and gingerbread nuts. Farewell, farewell, cried the prince and princess. And little Gerda wept, and the crow wept, and then, after a few miles, the crow also said farewell. And this was the saddest parting. However, he flew to a tree and stood flapping his black wings as long as he could see the coach, which glittered in the bright sunshine. Fifth Story Little Robber Girl The coach drove on through a thick forest, where it lighted up the way like a torch, and dazzled the eyes of some robbers, who could not bear to let it pass them unmolested, it is gold, it is gold, cried they, rushing forward and seizing the horses. Then they struck the little jockeys, the coachman and the footman dead, and pulled little Gerda out of the carriage. She is fat and pretty, and she's been fed with the kernels of nuts, said the old robber woman, who had a long beard and the eyebrows that hung over her eyes. She is as good as a little lamb. How nice she will taste. And as she said this, she drew forth a shining knife that glittered horribly. Oh, screamed the old woman the same moment for her own daughter, who held her back, had bitten her in the ear. She was a wild and naughty girl. And the mother called her an ugly thing and had not time to kill Gerda. She shall play with me, said the little robber girl. She shall give me her muff and her pretty dress and sleep with me in my bed. And then she bit her mother again and made her spring in the air and jump about and all the robbers laughed and said, see how she's dancing with her young cub. I will have a ride in the coach, said the little robber girl, and she would have her own way for she was so self-willed and obstinate. She and Gerda seated themselves in the coach and drove away over stumps and stones into the depths of the forest. The little robber girl was about the same size as Gerda, But stronger. She had broader shoulders and a darker skin. Her eyes were quite black and she had a mournful look. She clasped little Gerda round the waist and said, They shall not kill you as long as you don't make us vexed with you. I suppose you are a princess. No, said Gerda. And then she told her all her history and how fond she was of little Kay. The robber girl looked earnestly at her nodded her head slightly and said, "'They shan't kill you even if I do get angry with you, "'for I will do it myself.' "'And then she wiped Gerda's eyes "'and stuck her own hands in the beautiful muff "'which was so soft and warm. "'The coach stopped in the courtyard of a robber's castle, "'the walls of which were cracked from top to bottom. "'Ravens and crows flew in and out of the holes and crevices, "'while great bulldogs,' either of which looked as if it could swallow a man, were jumping about. But they were not allowed to bark. In a large and smoky hall, a bright fire was burning on the stone floor. There was no chimney. So the smoke went up to the ceiling and found a way out for itself. Soup was boiling in a large cauldron, and hares and rabbits were roasting on the spit. "'You shall sleep with me and all my little animals tonight,' said the robber girl." after they had had something to eat and drink. So she took Gerda to a corner of the hall, where some straw and carpets were laid down. Above them on laths and perches were more than a hundred pigeons, who all seemed to be asleep, although they moved slightly when the two little girls came near them. These all belong to me, said the robber girl, and she seized the nearest to her, held it by the feet, and shook it till it flapped its wings. Kiss it, cried she flapping it in Gerda's face. There's it the wood pigeons, continued she, pointing to a number of laths and a cage which had been fixed into the walls near one of the openings. Both rascals would fly away discreetly if they were not closely locked up. And here is my old sweetheart, Ba and she dragged out a reindeer by the horn. He wore a bright copper ring round his neck and was tied up. We are obliged to hold him tight, too, or else he would run away from us also. I tickle his neck every evening with my sharp knife, which frightens him very much. And then the robber girl drew a long knife from a chink in the wall and let it slide gently over the reindeer's neck. The poor animal began to kick, and the little robber girl laughed and pulled down Gerda into bed with her. Will you have that knife with you while you were asleep? Asked Gerda, looking at it in great fright. I always sleep with my knife by me, said the robber girl. No one knows what may happen, but now tell me again all about little Kay and why you went out into the world. Then Gerda repeated her story over again, while the wood pigeons in the cage over her cooed, and the other pigeons slept. The little robber girl put one arm across Gerda's neck and held the knife in the other and was soon fast asleep and snoring. But Gerda could not close her eyes at all, she knew not whether she was to live or die. The robbers sat round the fire, singing and drinking, and the old woman stumbled about. It was a terrible sight for a little girl to witness. Then the wood pigeon said, "'Coo, coo, we have seen little Kay. A white fowl carried his sledge, and he sat in the carriage of the Snow Queen.' which drove through the wood while we were lying in our nest. She blew upon us, and all the young ones died except us two. Coo, coo! What are you saying up there? cried Gerda. Where was the Snow Queen going? Do you know anything about it? She was most likely traveling to Lapland, where there's always snow and ice. Ask the reindeer that is fastened up there with a rope— ''Yes, there is always snow and ice,'' said the reindeer, ''and it is a glorious place. You can leap and run about freely on the sparkling ice plains. The Snow Queen has her summer tent there, but her strong castle was at the North Pole on an island called Spitsbergen.'' ''Okay.'' ''Little Kay,'' sighed Gerda. ''Lie still,'' said the robber girl, ''or I shall run my knife into your body.'' In the morning, Gerda told her all that the wood pigeons had said. And the little robber girl looked quite serious and nodded her head and said, "'That is all talk. That is all talk. Do you know where Lapland is?' she asked the reindeer. "You should know better than I do,' said the animal while his eyes sparkled. "'I was born and brought up there, and used to run about the snow-covered plains.' "'Now listen,' said the robber girl. "'All our men are gone away.' Only mother is here, and here she will stay. But at noon, she always drinks out of a great bottle, and afterwards sleeps for a little while. And then I'll do something for you. And she jumped out of bed, clasped her mother round the neck, and pulled her by the beard, crying, My own little nanny goat, good morning. And her mother philiped her nose till it was quite red. Yet she did it all for love. When the mother had drunk out of the bottle and was gone to sleep... The little robber maiden went to the reindeer and said, I should like very much to tickle your neck a few times more with my knife, for it makes you look so funny. But never mind, I will untie your cord and set you free, so that you may run away to Lapland, where you must make good use of your legs and carry this little maiden to the castle of the Snow Queen, where her playfellow is. You've heard what she told me, for she spoke loud enough and you were listening. And the reindeer jumped for joy and the little robber girl lifted Gerda on his back and had the forethought to tie her on, and even to give her her own little cushion to sit on. Here are your fur boots for you, said she. We'll be very cold, but I must keep the muff. It is so pretty. However, you shall not be frozen for the want of it. Here are my mother's large warm mittens. They will reach up to your elbows. Let me put them on. There, now your hands look just like my mother's. But Gerda wept for joy. I don't like to see you fret, said the little robber girl. You ought to look quite happy now, and here are two loaves and a ham so that you need not starve. These were fastened on the reindeer, and then the little robber maiden opened the door, coaxed in all the great dogs, and then cut the string with which the reindeer was fastened with her sharp knife and said, Now run, but mind you, take good care of the little girl. And then Gerda stretched out her hand with a great mitten on it, towards the little robber girl and said, "'Farewell,' and away flew the reindeer, over stumps and stones, through the great forest, over marshes and plains, as quickly as he could. The wolves howled, and the raven screamed, while up in the sky it quivered red lights like flames of fire. "'They're my old northern lights,' said the reindeer. "'See how they flash?' And he ran on day and night, still faster and faster. But the loaves and the ham were all eaten by the time they reached Lapland. Sixth story. The Lapland Woman and the Finland Woman. They stopped at a little hut. It was very mean-looking. The roof sloped nearly down to the ground. And the door was so low that the family had to creep in on their hands and knees when they went in and out. There was no one at home but an old Lapland woman who was cooking fish by the light of a train oil lamp. The reindeer told her all about Gerda's story after having first told his own, which seemed to him the most important. But Gerda was so pinched with the cold that she could not speak. "'Oh, you poor things,' said the Lapland woman. "'You have a long way to go yet. "'You must travel more than a hundred miles farther to Finland.' The Snow Queen lives there now, and she burns Bengal lights every evening. I'll write a few words on a dried stockfish, for I have no paper, and you can take it from me to the Finland woman who lives there. She can give you better information than I can. So when Gerda was warmed and had taken something to eat and drink, the woman wrote a few words on the dried fish and told Gerda to take great care of it. And she tied her again on the reindeer, and he set off at a full speed. Flash, flash went the beautiful blue northern lights in the air the whole night long. And at length they reached Finland and knocked at the chimney of the Finland woman's hut, for it had no door above the ground. They crept in, but it was so terribly hot inside that the woman wore scarcely any clothes. She was small and very dirty-looking. She loosened little Gerda's dress and took off the fur boots and the mittens, or Gerda would have been unable to bear the heat— and then she placed a piece of ice on the reindeer's head and read what was written on the dried fish. After she had read it three times, she knew it by heart, so she popped the fish into the soup saucepan, and she knew it was good to eat, and she never wasted anything. The reindeer told his own story first, and then little Gerda's, and the Finlander twinkled with her clever eyes, but she said nothing, you're so clever, said the reindeer. I know you can tie all the winds of the world with a piece of twine. If a sailor unties one knot, he has a fair wind. When he unties the second, it blows hard. But if the third and fourth are loosened, then comes a storm which will root up whole forests. Cannot you give this little maiden something with which to make her as strong as twelve men to overcome the Snow Queen? The power of twelve men, said the Finland woman. That would be of very little use. But she went to a shelf and took down and unrolled a large skin on which were inscribed wonderful characters, and she read till the perspiration ran down from her forehead. But the reindeer begged so hard for little Gerda, and Gerda looked at the Finland woman with such beseeching tearful eyes that her own eyes began to twinkle again. So she drew the reindeer into a corner and whispered to him while she laid a fresh piece of ice on his head, "'Little Kay is really with the Snow Queen,' but he finds everything there so much to his taste and his liking that he believes it is the finest place in the world. But this is because he has a piece of broken glass in his heart and a little piece of glass in his eye. These must be taken out or he'll never be a human being again and the Snow Queen will retain her power over him. But can you not give little Gerda something to help her to conquer this power? I can give her no greater power than she has already, said the woman. Don't you see how strong that is? How men and animals are obliged to serve her, and how well she has got through the world, barefooted as she is. She cannot receive any power from me greater than she now has, which consists in her own purity and innocence of heart. If she cannot herself obtain access to the Snow Queen, and remove the glass fragments from little Kay, we can do nothing to help her. Two miles from here, the Snow Queen's garden begins. You can carry the little girl so far and set her down by the large bush which stands in the snow, covered with red berries. Do not stay gossiping, but come back here as quickly as you can. Then the Finland woman lifted little Gerda upon the reindeer, and he ran away with her as quickly as he could. Oh, I've forgotten my boots and my mittens, cried little Gerda as soon as she felt the cutting cold. But the reindeer dared not stop. So he ran on till he reached the bush with the red berries. Here he set Gerda down and he kissed her, and the great bright tears trickled over the animal's cheeks. Then he left her and ran back as fast as he could. There stood poor Gerda, without shoes, without gloves, in the midst of cold, dreary, ice-bound Finland. She ran forwards as quickly as she could when a whole regiment of snowflakes came round her. They did not, however, fall from the sky which was quite clear and glittering with the northern lights. The snowflakes ran along the ground, and the nearer they came to her, the larger they appeared. Gerda remembered how large and beautiful they looked through the burning glass. But these were really larger and much more terrible, for they were alive and were the guards of the Snow Queen and had the strangest shapes. Some were like great porcupines, others like twisted serpents with their heads stretching out, and some few were like little fat bears with their hair bristled. But all were dazzlingly white, and all were living snowflakes. Then little Gerda repeated the Lord's Prayer, and the cold was so great that she could see her own breath come out of her mouth like steam as she uttered the words. Steam appeared to increase as she continued her prayer, till it took the shape of little angels who grew larger the moment they touched the earth. They all wore helmets on their heads and carried spears and shields. Their number continued to increase more and more, and by the time Gerda had finished her prayers, a whole legion stood round her. They thrust their spears into the terrible snowflakes so that they shivered into a hundred pieces, and little Gerda could go forward with courage and safety. The angel stroked her hands and feet so that she felt the cold less and she hastened on to the Snow Queen's castle. But now we must see what Kay is doing, In truth, he thought not of little Gerda and never supposed she could be standing in the front of the palace. Seventh story, of the palace of the Snow Queen and what happened there at last. The walls of the palace were formed of drifted snow, and the windows and doors of the cutting winds. There were more than a hundred rooms in it, all as if they had been formed with snow blown together. The largest of them extended for several miles. They were all lighted up by the vivid light of the aurora, and they were so large and empty, so ice-cold and glittering. There were no amusements here, not even a little bear's ball, when the storm might have been the music and the bears could have danced on their hind legs and shown their good manners. There were no pleasant games of snapdragon or touch, or even a gossip over the tea table for the young lady foxes. Empty. "'Vast and cold were the halls of the Snow Queen. "'The flickering flame of the northern lights "'could be plainly seen, "'whether they rose high or low in the heavens, "'from every part of the castle. "'In the midst of its empty, endless hall of snow "'was a frozen lake. "'Broken on its surface into a thousand forms, "'each piece resembled another, "'from being in itself perfect as a work of art, "'and in the center of this lake sat the Snow Queen "'when she was at home.' She called the lake the Mirror of Reason and saw that it was the best and indeed the only one in the world. Little Kay was quite blue with cold, indeed almost black, but he did not feel it, for the Snow Queen had kissed away the icy shiverings and his heart was already a lump of ice. He dragged some sharp, flat pieces of ice to and fro and placed them together in all kinds of positions as if he wished to make something out of them just as we try to form various figures with little tablets of wood which we call a Chinese puzzle. Kay's fingers were very artistic. It was the icy game of reason at which he played. And in his eyes, the figurines were very remarkable and of the highest importance. This opinion was owing to the piece of glass still sticking in his eye. He composed many complete figures, forming different words. But there was one word he could never manage to form, although he wished it very much. It was the word eternity. The Snow Queen had said to him, When you can find out this, you shall be your own master, and I will give you the whole world and a new pair of skates. But he could not accomplish it. Now I must hasten away to warmer countries, said the Snow Queen, I will go and look into the black craters of the tops of the burning mountains, Etna and Vesuvius, as they are called. I shall make them look white, which will be good for them, and for the lemons and the grapes. And away flew the Snow Queen, leaving little Kay quite alone in the great hall, which was so many miles in length. So he sat and looked at his pieces of ice, and was thinking so deeply, and sat so still that anyone might have supposed he was frozen. Just at this moment, it happened that little Gerda came through the great door of the castle. Cutting winds were raging around her, but she offered up a prayer and the wind sank down as if they were going to sleep. And she went on till she came to the large empty hall and caught sight of Kay. She knew him directly. She flew to him and threw her arms round his neck and held him fast while she exclaimed, Kay, dear little Kay, I have found you at last. But he sat quite still. Stiff and cold. Then little Gerda wept hot tears which fell on his breast and penetrated into his heart and thawed the lump of ice and washed away the little piece of glass which had stuck there. Then he looked at her and she sang, Roses bloom and cease to be, but we shall the Christ child see. Then Kay burst into tears and he wept so that the splinter of glass swam out of his eye. Then he recognized Gerda and said joyfully, "'Gerda, dear, little Gerda, where have you been all this time and where have I been?' And he looked all around him and said, "'How cold it is and how large and empty it all looks.' And he clung to Gerda, and she laughed and wept for joy. It was so pleasing to see them that the pieces of ice even danced about.' And when they were tired and went to lie down, they formed themselves into the letters of the word which the Snow Queen had said he must find out before he could be his own master and have the whole world and a pair of new skates. Then Gerda kissed his cheeks, and they became blooming, and she kissed his eyes, and they shone like her own. She kissed his hands and his feet, and then he became quite healthy and cheerful. The Snow Queen might come home now when she pleased, for there stood his certainty of freedom in the word she wanted, written in shining letters of ice. And they took each other by the hand, and went forth from the great palace of ice. They spoke of the grandmother, and of the roses on the roof, and as they went on, the winds were at rest, and the sun burst forth. When they arrived at the bush with red berries, there stood the reindeer waiting for them, and he had brought another young reindeer with him whose udders were full, and the children drank her warm milk and kissed her on the mouth. Then they carried Kay and Gerda first to the Finland Woman, where they warmed themselves thoroughly in the hot room, and she gave them directions about their journey home. Next, they went to the Lapland Woman, who had made some new clothes for them and put their sleighs in order. Both reindeer ran by their side and followed them as far as the boundaries of the country where the first green leaves were budding. And here they took leave of the two reindeer and the Lapland woman and all said farewell. Then the birds began to twitter, and the forest, too, was full of green young leaves, and out of it came a beautiful horse, which Gerda remembered, for it was one which had drawn the golden coach. A young girl was riding upon it, with a shining red cap on her head and pistols in her belt. It was the little robber maiden who had got tired of staying at home, She was going first to the north, and if that did not suit her, she meant to try some other part of the world. She knew Gerda directly, and Gerda remembered her. It was a joyful meeting. You're a fine fellow to go godding about in this way, said she to little Kay. I should like to know whether you deserve that anyone should go to the end of the world to find you. But Gerda patted her cheeks and asked after the prince and princess. They're gone to foreign countries, said the robber girl. And the crow... Asked Gerda. Oh, the crow is dead, she replied. His tame sweetheart is now a widow and wears a bit of black worsted round her leg. She mourns very pitifully, but it is all stuff. But now tell me how you managed to get him back. Then Gerda and Kay told her all about it. Snip, snap, snare, it's all right at last, said the robber girl. Then she took both their hands and promised that if ever she should pass through the town, she would call and pay them a visit and then she rode away into the wide world. But Gerda and Kay went hand in hand towards home, and as they advanced, spring appeared more lovely with its green verdure and its beautiful flowers. Very soon they recognized the large town where they lived and the tall steeples of the churches in which the sweet bells were ringing, a merry peal as they entered it and found their way to their grandmother's door. They went upstairs into the little room. Where all looked just as it used to do. The old clock was going tick-tick, and the hands pointed to the time of day. But as they passed through the door into the room, they perceived that they were both grown up and became a man and woman. The roses out on the roof were in full bloom and peeped in at the window, and there stood the little chairs on which they had sat when children. And Kay and Gerda seated themselves each on their own chair and held each other by the hand, while the cold, empty grandeur of the Snow Queen's palace vanished from their memories like a painful dream. the Grandmother sat in God's bright sunshine, and she read aloud from the Bible, "'Except ye become as little children, ye shall in no wise enter into the kingdom of God.' And Kay and Gerda looked into each other's eyes, and all at once understood the words of the old song. "'Roses bloom and cease to be.' but we shall the Christ child see. And they both sat there, grown up, yet children at heart. And it was summer. Warm, beautiful summer. Thank you for joining Freya's Fairy Tales. Be sure to come back next week for Tanya's journey to holding her own fairy tale in her hands, and to hear one of her favorite fairy tales.